this morning, uh, the, the important news is at 2 o'clock, the Razorbacks are going to play, and they're going to win. All right, we're going to win. We're, we're going to the Super Regionals. All right. Uh, after this, we'll be going to Omaha, because everyone wants to go to Nebraska. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, I apologize. Nebraska's the best. We all want to go to Nebraska, right? It's the only sport where everyone gets really excited. Yeah, we're going to Omaha. What's in Omaha again? Oh, they have, you know, steaks, you know. Really good steaks out there. That's what they have. Um, so uh, with the first game uh, that we played yesterday, and uh, we found out that there are people who are lined up uh, outside the stadium. They're camping in tents. Uh, they brought couches. They were out there from Thursday night all the way until Saturday morning. Is that impressive or what? Are you that passionate about anything? Come on. Is there anything that, that would cause you to be willing to go camp out and wait for 48 hours for that thing? Anybody? How about, like, you know, the new iPhone? You guys remember that? People used to go camp out at the Best Buy for the iPhone. Uh, well, Black Friday, you guys remember that? To save $10 off. We're going to go camp out for 24 hours. It's good. <laughs> It's going to be like negative 10 degrees, and it's, it's ice, of course, because it's Arkansas. It's worth it, though. You know, we get a few bucks off. I think it's, it's really interesting to see the, the passion that's being shown right now. Uh, we're trying to break uh, records uh, with attendance. I think they had close to uh, 12,000 people yesterday. 12,000 people to watch what's arguably the most slow, boring game ever. Now, I love baseball. Hold on now. Hold on now. I love baseball. I can get into it now. I, but, I mean... Even two years ago, you could not pay me enough money to watch an entire baseball game. You just couldn't do it. But there are people who are fighting each other to get room to sit on grass to watch this game, right? It's amazing. Now, as passionate as we are as sports fans, right, we see in football, we, uh, we take our shirts off, get painted in the numbers. Who's ever done, like, the number thing? Anybody had, like, the body paint? No wonder our worship's so quiet, right? Come on. <laughs> Nobody? Um, how about screaming? <laughs> uh, who's ever been drunk? I didn't, no, I'm kidding. Just joking. <laughs> I thought for sure it was going to be a bunch of hands. That was me with the game. That was me. <laughs> we see all sorts of passion in sports, right? We see energy. We see enthusiasm. Um, I, I've been watching these uh, documentaries on soccer. Not, I'm sorry, football, okay? Okay. Uh, European football, the game called football, where they actually play with their feet. You know what I'm talking about? That football? Come on, that's funny. We, catch up to me. Come on now. Football, the game that they call football, where they actually play it only with their feet, right? Now, I've been watching these things, and what's amazing about this, this sport is that like, they make our sports fandom look just so boring. Like, we look absolutely dull compared to these guys, Okay. Uh, when you go into these games, right, when the opposing team is, is pulling up on their bus, there aren't just lines of people with flags and, like, you know, these mean signs, right? There are people literally throwing rocks, throwing rocks. The, the, the fans get on the sides of the buses and begin to push it so that the huge buses begin to rock back and forth. How awesome is that? That is intense, right? Now, when they get inside the stadium... When they start to play, right, these people don't just clap. They don't just, you know, yell and scream. They don't just have their drink in their hand and have paint on their faces. For two hours straight, nonstop with no breaks, they lock arms, rock back and forth, and sing songs. 
Imagine my worst nightmare, right? Strangers holding me very tightly and intimately, singing together into my ear for two hours. They don't stop at halftime. Like, there is no break at halftime. You don't stop singing at halftime. They continue. They get louder at halftime. They want the other team to hear them singing. I'm not sure that singing is a scary thing, but they want them to hear the songs, right? And then if they get really into it, there's a bad play, there's a bad call, right? They don't just like, you know, scream at the zebras, you know, go back to Foot Locker. What they do, you guys are really slow today. What they do, they f- throw flares, <laughs> smoke bombs. They will throw these smoke grenades onto the field if it's a bad call. How intense is that? They'll take their shoes off and hit the referee with it. Ah, <laughs> You know, I don't even know what they're saying. You know. <laughs> grenades. Flares! I'm watching this going, we are lame. I mean, we think that we are into sports. We don't even know. Until we start singing sports, we don't even like sports. You hear that? Until you learn to sing through an entire game, you don't even like sports at all. The Razorbacks, you hate them, basically. We don't care at all about this. And so I've been watching these uh, documentaries because it fascinates me. What causes a human being to be so connected to something that they're not really even a part of, Right? I mean, these fans are never going to be on the pitch, the field, sorry about that, the grass they play on, the pitch, right? They're never going to be able to touch the ball. These people are never really going to be a part of this, but their entire lives are about this. Um, watch this one kind of documentary, it's called Sunderland uh, Until I Die. And it's about this team where basically the entire city has gone to like a, an economic depression. They've lost their, their main source of income. It's an entire city that's dying slowly. Picture uh, Detroit like 15 years ago, right? A city falling apart, right? But they have one thing, a team, and a team that's worse than, than all the Detroit teams. A team like way worse than the Lions. Imagine if the Lions weren't allowed to play in the NFL anymore, right? Like they, they got sent to like arena football. That's what happens in soccer, right? And so like their team, right, is all they have. These people are losing their homes. They have no income. They have no jobs. They've lost everything but their soccer team. And you see this passion. And it's like, how can you care about this thing when all of these important stuff, it's all falling apart around you? So it's got me kind of thinking. And as we go into our series this morning, the question here we're talking about is, you know, should we just give up on church? You know, let's go ahead. Let's just let the church go. We all know it's broken, it's, it's faulty, it's imperfect, it's a, it's a mess. Most of our worst experiences with people and with God all came inside these buildings. That's where it happened, right? And so why not just let go of it? The soccer team, Sunderland, the way it works in, in soccer in Europe, if you have a bad season, if you finish in, in the bottom four, you get demoted to the lower league. All right? So from the NFL to the arena, if you do bad again, if you're in the bottom four again, you get sit down to the next level, whatever that is. I don't even know like, what that is. High school football, right? <laughs> Detroit Lions playing high school football, playing Alma, Arkansas, right? The Airedales versus the Detroit Lions. That's like what it's like. And so you have this soccer team that plays this huge um, stadium, but now the teams that they play are like playing on like these grass fields and, 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 you know, and like, like some guy's backyard. You know? like, they're playing like nobodies now. Because their team is just falling apart. And the question is, how come these people, you know, just let it go? This team's falling apart. You're, 
the entire city is broke. You can't afford good players. You've lost nonstop. You're not even on TV anymore. There's no way to even watch your team. You're going to play high school teams now. Just let the soccer team go. Who cares? Let it go. It's broken. Why can't you let it go? Here we are today, surrounded by churches that care more about money, about politics, about all these things have nothing to do with the Scriptures. We've all experienced it. Churches where people are mean and hurtful and hateful and judgy, never. Christians are never judgy. Come on. And we're all just continually just kind of in this this nonstop circle of being about things that don't have anything to do with Jesus. It's broken. It's falling apart. CEO pastors who are interested in numbers and money, right? And let's just push it all away. Who cares about that kind of stuff? I don't need that in my life to be a Christian, so why don't we just let it die? Just give up on it. So I, I was asking myself this question because as I watched this Sunderland video, I was watching these, this team go through agony and watching the fans just get so passionate. And I began to ask myself, I've... I've had the same feelings about the church before. You see in the book of Acts, in Pentecost, this morning we're talking about uh, this, this day where we remember the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just the arrival of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the arrival of the church as well. And we see a picture in the book of Acts, at the, at the end of chapter 2 you get this picture of what the church was supposed to be. And it talks about how after the Holy Spirit had arrived, you had all these people were, who were strangers and now a family, and from this moment on, they devoted themselves to each other. They, they sold all their possessions to, to take care of each other's needs. They lived together. They, they met daily. They had fellowship. They trusted each other. You had this kind of picture-perfect dream that's born in the middle of this, this book. And you take this, this dream of what the church is supposed to be, right? And then you look at what the church has become, and we go, why don't we just let this thing go? I mean... It's so far from what it was supposed to be. Whenever I first got introduced into uh, the, the Scriptures, when I, when I began to read them very thoroughly and uh, intensely, the first thing I noticed was the book of Acts and what the church was supposed to be. I became so just consumed. Man, if the church could just be like this. And often uh, when I talk to young pastors, I get the same thing from them. Man, I'm just so passionate to build a church like the book of Acts. Amen. And I sit there and go, oh, good luck. Here's one problem about that, brother. A church has to have people in it. <laughs> and the moment we get people in a church, it automatically falls short, doesn't it? Because there's no person in the room who's perfect. The moment you put two imperfect people and three and four and five and 100 and 200 and 300, all of a sudden we begin to, we do what comes natural. So the question continues to remain, why don't we just allow this thing to go, right? How come these soccer fans just don't just ignore, just, you know what, let Sunderland die, who cares about it? There's plenty of other good teams. My son Jude, uh, he likes a winner, okay? Is, is anyone here who likes a winner? Anybody? Okay. Call you guys uh, front runners. Bandwagon fans, right? If the team's good, you're for them, right? So like five years ago in college football, everybody was an Oregon Ducks fan, right? Because they were winning. Who cares about Oregon? No one cares about Oregon. It rains all the time. It's depressing. It's sad. Who cares about Oregon? But they were winning, and everyone was an Oregon Ducks fan. How many Oregon Ducks fans do you know now? Anybody? That's what I thought. But you, come on. You can't ruin the sermon, right? They're like, we are faithful quack quack, right? 
Ducks fly together. Right? I don't know. <laughs> Just messing with you. I mean, we're Razorback fans. We can't say nothing, all right? And so Jude is always looking for excuses to jump off the Razorback bandwagon. He's always like, Dad, so like, um, so Alabama's really good. <laughs> and they're similar colors. I'm like, yes, son, but they're elephants. Elephants? Come on. Elephants? What is the Crimson Tide? Thing? Okay, I can't. I, I can't. I want to. I want to, right? He's always trying to get an excuse. Can we just jump off this thing because we're never going to be good, Dan? Just allow the dream to die. Be a Razorback fan for baseball and track and field. And just for basketball and football, let's just find whoever's good, right? So why don't we just let it die because we know it's not going to happen. Why don't we just let this thing die? Because we know that to get from where we are right now to get back to the book of Acts is almost impossible. Could we really ever find a place where we get along with all the churches in the city? Is there ever going to be a place where all the churches in the city could come back together and, and be so in tune, so connected, where they love each other deeply, where they worship together, where we would sell our possessions to, to take care of each other. Who wants to sign up to sell their house first? Anybody? Who's first? Nobody? So why don't we just let this thing go? And there have been pastors. Honestly, uh, pretty much every other pastor who has gone down the same journey that I've gone down, has chosen to leave the church. They said, you know what? This is unfixable. It, it, it is so broken in America that we can never fix it, so let's go start something new. There's a famous pastor who basically had a church of about 16,000. He walked away from it. A very serious lover of Jesus. He's, a, he's a, an awesome guy. He left his church. He said, this is so broken it will never work. So he went to, he moved cities, and he went to start a new thing. Let's do church in houses, which is not a new idea, but let's try it this way. Maybe this will work. There's people who have left churches to go start these intentional communities. Let's go away from all this stuff, find people who are all in. What if we did a church where everyone was 100% in? So we go out and we have a compound outside of Alma, and we find people who are all bought in. We all live together and have a heart-shaped pool. <laughs> Where's Pastor Zach at? Where's he at? This is not a new story. For about a thousand years, this has been a continual movement. It's, a, it's an obvious thought. If anyone looks at the church and is honest, they say, you know what? It's supposed to be this, and it's become this. Is it possible to get back? I don't think so. And everyone who's asked those hard questions goes, okay, we either have to, to find a way to fix this thing or we find a way to, to ditch it. We leave it. And so it takes me back to Sunderland. These people who will not let go of this broken, I mean, they're awful. They're so bad. They went on a two-year uh, losing streak. Two years. I mean, at least the Razorbacks won one game, right, last year, right? Two years with no wins. You know, there is something inside of human beings where we always have to have something to live for. We have to have something that we can think about, we can put our emotions onto, something we can envision, something that's not here, 
but out there. We always have to have something to move towards, a dream to live for. I guarantee you this. I could sit down with everyone in the room, and within a few questions, I could help you find what that dream is that you're living for. Because every person who is alive right now who wants to be alive is living for something else. You're not really living to just enjoy what you have. You're living to go, to do, to have, to move forward to something, to experience something you haven't had yet. And it could be big. It could be a company. It could be a church. It could be, you know, a nonprofit. You, you want to, to find ways to take care of all people with special needs. You want to find a way to cure cancer. You want to, you, you want to find a way to, to stop sex trafficking. It could be something beautiful like that. It could be smaller. It could be having a vision of, of your children having all their needs met, of your, your children having a safe, healthy life, having everything that they need taken care of, and you're going to sacrifice for that. But everyone in this room has a dream that they're living for. There's something human about it. We, we have to have something to live towards, something to look ahead to. doesn't matter how great the moment is, you need something else to live forward to. If you're on, you know, and, and it's, it's summertime, right? If you're in Branson having the time of your life, I don't know who you are, but if you're doing that, right? If you're, if, <laughs> if you're at the Branson buffet and you're just living it up, right? Perfect, right? Ripley's, believe it or not, with the wax things, right? Those freak me out. I don't, know, I don't know why you enjoy that. If you're having the time of your life, there's still a spot in the back of your mind and your soul somewhere that's thinking about, okay, tomorrow we're going to do this thing. You could be on the beach having an amazing experience, and there's a part of you that goes, as good as this is, I want this again. Man, maybe we can move down here. All of you who just went to Florida, <laughs> maybe we could have a house down here, a timeshare. Maybe we could find a way to keep this amazing thing and then add to it. It could be even better. We as humans have to have a dream to live for. There has to be something beyond us to, to move towards to. This is precisely why the Sunderland fans, this is why all the Razorback fans in the room can't let go. You can't. As much as you want to, and even those of you who are smarter than I am and who have already tried, you're trying to let go. You're trying to not watch. You don't want to hear about it. You, you, you tell everyone you don't care, but you really do. What if they could just turn around? What if? It's a part of us, right? What if Grace Church could be that place? What if we could get closer to that place? What if it is salvageable, if it could be fixed? And there's this thing in everyone where we, we, are, we need to dream, we need to hope, we need to believe. And so what's crazy about this, right, what makes the church different from anything else on the earth is this. After the Gospels, we have a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. If you, if you read the book of Acts, you need to practice reading it by reading the Gospel of Luke and then flip the last page of Luke and go straight to the book of Acts. You notice it's a continuation. The Gospel of Luke is part A. The book of Acts is part B. They're meant to be read in tandem. And the moment that you flip the page, in the last page of Luke, here's Jesus summarizing everything he lived for and everything he died for. And he's saying, here's this thing I give to you. Everything I've done, I've lived, I've died, I've bled for you. Here is what I ask of you in return. I give you everything. I give you life. I give you my, my love, my protection. Here's the one thing I ask of you. Take this thing and go do it. Flip the page, first chapter of Acts. What is this thing? And it takes them 40 days, which we call Pentecost, right? 40. It takes 40 days of Jesus coming back to them and teaching them about what the kingdom of God really was. At the end of these teachings, right, we have the experience with 
Pentecost Sunday. Tongues of of fire came out of the ceiling. Can you just picture that for a moment? We're hanging out. I'm saying jokes with Razorbacks. And these tongues begin to come down from this. I mean, can you even picture that? Because a flying tongue is not enough to freak you out. This tongue is on fire. Someone has doused this thing in kerosene and lit a match, and it's coming right to your face. I wish you guys would read the Bible like that. Just be honest. Like, this is stupid. Like, why are these people sitting down? Why are they not running and screaming and squealing and fighting to get out the door? Like, what is happening here, right? And this thing happens. And so everything of the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke is summarized in this one call. He says, okay, I do all this for you. I will give my life. I will die for you. I will give you life with no end. I will take care of every need you ever have. I will fill every desire you ever want. Here's one thing I ask of you. I want you to take care of my dream. That dream has a name. The church. Trust me, I have thought multiple times about just giving up. How do we ever get the church back to what's... It's impossible. Everything in the last six years that's caused us attendance numbers, everything in this church has made you feel uncomfortable, everything we've ever done here that makes this church not the easiest to be in is because we're trying to figure out a way to get back. How do we get back there? Let's try this. Let's try this. How about this? What if we do this? What if we try it this way? What if we... How do we get back? Multiple times I've I've considered, man, we just need to just quit. We need to try something different. But I can't get away from the second chapter of Acts. I can't get away from this. Here's everything I give you, says Christ. Here's the one thing I ask of you. I want you to take care of this dream of mine. I want you to take this, and I want you to get it done. I want this dream to become real here. The reason that we all live for dreams is we all know that dreams aren't real. Like, would anyone acknowledge that? <laughs> the dreams aren't real yet. That's why we love them so much. Right? It's like the way that you pictured your spouse was going to be before you married him. Anybody? Just kidding with you? Just joking? All right. Okay, we're not being honest. That's okay. <laughs> She's perfect. She has no flaws ever. She's the nicest, kindest. She's got you all fooled. You have no idea who she really is. I promise. She's, she's the best. Do you you hear it in her voice? There's something behind her eye. She's hiding it. There's daggers, right? This, there is a dream, right? We live for dreams because we live for something that honestly isn't realistic. And, And so Jesus gives us this dream. The church is supposed to be this. The church is supposed to be the kingdom of heaven, basically, where all things are perfect, right? Where everyone loves each other and everyone's kind and sacrificial and everyone genuinely cares about you and everyone is willing to love you more themselves. That dream of of what it's supposed to be like in heaven is supposed to exist here in some shape or form, right? Is that realistic? Anybody? Let me read a definition for you of dream. A dream is this. A cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. Meaning, an a- something to aspire to. So picture a bar, right? You're trying to, to get to it. To aspire means to ascend. You're trying to get to a place. And this thing moves your passion. You're excited about it. You, this is something to be proud of. If we could get to this place, it's, something to be, to, it's worth living for. 
It's worth dying for to get to this thing, right? Now, what's beautiful is that this is the definition A of dream. Would you guys, would you like to see what the definition B of dream is? This is going to be fun. Everyone said no, I don't want to see that. Okay, here's B. You ready? It could either be a cherished ambition, ideal, or uh, aspiration, or your dream could be this. An unrealistic or self-deluding fantasy. Come on now. Let it sink in. What's that dream that you're so excited about? Okay. What's the one thing that you're passionate about? Which you all have, but you just got to dig it out, right? What's the one passion you have? I want my family to always be safe, taken care of, to have everything they need. Guess what? It's either something worthy of aspiring to, or it's what? Fantasy unrealistic fantasy, something you can never possibly reach. I want to cure cancer. Beautiful. That's worth living for. It might not be possible for you. It might, and it might not. We don't know. To have my family have all, to make sure my family is always taken care of, that would be possible if all your family ever needed was money, material things, knowledge. If your family had no soul, that would be a very easy thing to accomplish. The problem with the needs of human beings is it goes beyond this stuff. Are you really capable in yourself to give your family everything they need in their soul? I know the answer for that. Would you like to know? You are not. To create a community where everyone loves each other self-sacrificially. I love you more than I love myself. It's this... Is this something worth living for? Or is this fantasy? I think the beautiful thing about dreams are this. We have to ask ourselves, is this dream this or is it that? Or is it both? Is it okay to live for something that might not even be attainable for us? Because here's the thing about all dreams. The moment you begin to acknowledge that your dream is fantasy. It's not real. You love it so much because you don't have it yet. The moment you begin to to think about a dream, when you begin to accept it as what it is right now. When I talk to young pastors in seminary who tell me how excited they are when they cite the book of Acts, can you imagine a church that looks like the book of Acts? Oh, I can tell you haven't pastored a church before. (laughs) Come on, that was funny. Come on, that was funny. Woo! That's terrific. I love those conversations. They're excited. They have so much energy, and I just feel like the terrible, like, wet blanket about to just smother them, you know? Yeah! Get that enthusiasm out of here. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. I might be young in age, but I've been here for a long time. <laughs> Get that out of there. There is this, this space here, right, when you have to, yes, that's beautiful on the paper. You know what? That is a gorgeous thing. You're right. But can you love it the same way? when you come face-to-face with what it is, right? Who loves a new car? Anybody. Just the smell of it, right? It can be like a cheap, cheap car. <laughs> it could be a super broke car, right? But a brand new one, right? Pastor Zach called me the one time. He, he bought this brand new Kia. So excited. I had to hold back my cynicism. I had that wet blanket ready for him. You just spent what on a what? <laughs> he was so excited, <laughs> You still get that enthusiasm right in the first moment, right? Oh, it smells so new. Everything's clean. Who here 
is more passionate about the rusty frame of a car. Come on. I thought there was at least one person. Amen. Thank you for the sermon help. I appreciate that. If you're lying, it's okay. Um, <laughs> flipping a house is the same thing, right? There are people who see the framework in a house, just the frames, and they go, man, we could do this, and we're going to do that, and this is going to be awesome. Do you see it? And the other person goes, mm-mm, no, I want a new one, where it's all done. See, to love the church is the same type of situation. There are people who love that perfect thing in the moment, but there are people who also love a project. They love the excitement of a challenge. They love to look at the rusty bones of an, uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> there are threes in the room <laughs> who, love those, who love those challenges, right? Sure, I'll take that on. To love the church is not to love a brand new, beautiful car. One of the biggest obstacles that we're facing right now as Christians is that we live in a time where most pastors think that their job is to make the church look perfect. We're going to make this thing look awesome. It's going to have the fresh car smell. When you come up and the, I mean, you're just going to know this car is amazing. Everything is done for you. This thing is perfect. The only problem with that is this. It's a lie, isn't it? Because every single church I've ever been to, including Grace Church, is a rusted out frame. <laughs> We've got a long way to go. We can put all sorts of nice new paint on it. We can do all sorts of work to the outside. But we know that the inside of this thing is a project. We are far from there. And so for us with the church, if you've looked at the church and said, I don't think it's really worth my time. I don't, I'm not sure like, why people think it's such a big deal. I can have God on my own at home. I can get fed. I can do my own thing. I don't see the point for this. There's other things I'd rather put my time into. There's other hobbies. There's other dreams. There's other companies. There's other, you know, other nonprofits who are doing awesome stuff. Why don't we just give our money to these people? They're doing awesome stuff. Why don't we just spend our time with this thing? This is awesome. They're taking care of, you know, of, of foster kids. Let's just do this. This is, is, is important. Why don't we just let go of that church thing? I think the one thing about the church is so hard to get away from is that you can name your cause, the awesome thing that you want to be a part of. This company is amazing, or this, this, this family that we're starting is so important to us. This nonprofit, all the things that, that the Red Cross does, or at the call around here. I mean, there's so many amazing people doing awesome stuff. Why don't we just let go of that and go put our time in here? And there's one hurdle that we all have to face. As beautiful as all those are, and, and, and how even if God, God can call us all to be involved in all those different things as well. The one thing we cannot get away from is that this is the one thing that God has asked of us. I'll give you all this, but I need you to take care of one thing. I need you to take care of this. I need you to live for this. One thing for me that has always been kind of sobering for me as a pastor to deal with is of all the heartbreak and the frustration that as a pastor we've had to deal with in pastoring, because it's not an easy thing to do. And the moments when I feel just, I think I'm done. I think it's been a little bit too much. I think I've, I've you know, I've, I've already given enough. We're good. To know that there are hundreds of thousands of people 
who are willing to die for this. That is something that's hard for me to get my mind around. Yes, I might have a, a hard emotional time. There might be a, a financial crisis that we, that, that we dealt with. But I didn't have to die for this thing. I didn't have to give my blood for this thing. As beautiful as the book of Acts is, and we all read it from all the different languages, you can, you, you can read it from the, 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 the scriptures and say, oh, beautiful, the church was born and they added Gentiles and the, their numbers grew, signs and wonders. You can be charismatic and say, look, the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts and everyone's doing, you know, healing everybody, speaking in tongues. It's awesome. Does anyone know how the story ends for all the characters of the book of Acts? Anybody know? The disciples, anybody? Crucifixion. Beautiful story. Amen. Who's lining up? We're going we're gonna to pass the clipboards uh, in a few minutes. If you're willing to be crucified, uh, here, just you know, put your name and number. I'll schedule in it. Convenient time that works for your schedule. You know, we'll make sure it works for you. We cannot escape this reality. As broken as what we are doing is, it is far from perfect, including Grace Church. This is the one request that we've received from Christ. I will give you all of eternity, but here's one thing I ask in this life, that you would live for this thing. Bring this dream, which is a fantasy, and bring it to life. Live it out. Work it out. And if you've read the book of Acts, you'll understand this. As beautiful as chapter 2 is in the book of Acts, my favorite is the rest of the book of Acts. Because they had a great time that first week. But every chapter after that in the book of Acts is nothing but wrestling and fighting and arguing. (laughs) Sounds a lot more like church I know. (laughs) Come on. Amen. That Peter's just an idiot. He didn't know. That that pastor doesn't preach. What's he talking about? When I read the Bible, I read this. But you read, no, no, we're going to go start our own thing. I think I've seen that a few times, right? It, you begin to see in the rest of the book what this really means. The wrestling. How do you live together in this way? Either Christ is first for all of us or he's not. The only way any of this ever works is if our priority is Jesus. That's it. Is that possible for you to live every moment of your life with Jesus being first? No, it is not. But this is why the church is given this assignment but also given it with an aid. The commission comes with a gift. This is Pentecost Sunday. It's not just the birth of the church. The arrival of the Holy Spirit. They were doing signs and wonders long before the Holy Spirit ever came. Signs and wonders are in all four Gospels before the Holy Spirit ever arrives. You know what they were not doing before the Holy Spirit arrives? having to live together, to sacrifice for each other, and having to come close to people that they are different than, people that they disagree with, people who they cannot stand. The third and fourth chapters of Acts go into the region of Samaria, which we don't know anything about that, but basically just imagine the people you can't stand the most. So the Fox News watchers are called to go love on the CNN News watchers. Do you get how this goes? Anybody? If we were just called to go heal them and have signs and wonders, that would be such a beautiful thing. And you're healed. Now watch my news. <laughs> Come on. They're called to go to them 
and to bring them into the family. To share the TV. Okay, you can watch Fox News for 15 minutes, and I won't listen. And then, I'm gonna, and then I get 15 minutes with CNN, and you won't listen. Can you imagine? No, amen, hallelujah. No. We're given this thing which calls us. Man. And so I'm going to close with this part, though. And so the scripture that the apostle Peter preaches from, he's trying to explain them what's happening. They're going, hey, these guys are drunk. He's like, no, not yet. That's tonight. But what's happening right now is different. <laughs> it's too early for us to be drunk. <laughs> This is, this is something different. And he quotes the, the, the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, He will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will see dreams. Let's just pause for one second. And when God comes to build his church, his family, the kingdom of heaven on the earth, heaven coming to this place, here's what you're going to see God using and bringing together. Men and women, old and young. When I first took over this church, one of the first advice that, that a pastor gave me, he's been extremely, uh, super successful. He said, okay, it's going to be hard for you to do because I know how you're built, but you've got to focus only on young people. That's your only key to be successful. If you waste any time on older people who are older than you, your church is going to die. Focus everything you do just on young people. Have young people on the stage, young people in leadership, young people on the microphone, young people, period. You've got to focus on creating your type of community because you can't be everything to everybody, Devin. You've got to just make sure that you build a church for a small group of people who will love it. People need to walk in and know that everyone in the room is just like them. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. I'd go into the rest of it, but I don't have time to explain to you guys blood moons and stuff like that, right? <laughs> Come on now. The word prophesy, there's another way to, to translate that. To speak about things that are fantasy as if they are real. When the Holy Spirit comes, when God is at work in something, He will bring you together with other people to go towards something that isn't real as if it is. Everything about the Christian faith is built on this word called faith. Believing that something is real, which truthfully to other eyes is not real yet, is fantasy. We are given a dream from God to live for. It might be fantasy to everyone else, but I am going to ask you, when I come and my spirit fills you, you're going to do one thing with it. You are going to believe that there's going to be a place where old and young, male and female, people of different politics, incomes, education level, different sports teams, whatever it is, they're all going to come together because I am involved. And that's the dream you're going to live for. I'm going to give you all of this, and there's one thing I ask of you. Live for my dream. Would you guys stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on up here this morning. We don't ever hit this super heavy because I don't, you know, I never want to freak people out. Um, 
One of the, the sacraments in the scriptures, the things, places where promise of God will always show up. We have the table, we have baptism. One of the things we also have in the scriptures is the laying on of hands. There's something so human and, and beautiful and vulnerable about allowing someone else to, to know your struggle, to know your need, and believing that God's going to use another broken human being to help heal you. So on Pentecost, we celebrate the day that, that, that God chose not to come down with angels and uh, <laughs> lightning bolts to change the world. It's the day we celebrate where God chose to fill human, imperfect, broken people to heal the world. And we're talking about the day that the imperfect, broken church is the one vessel God said he's going to change the world through. It's not going to be through an education system or through some, uh, the Red Cross or through a hospital. or All these things are beautiful and amazing things. But the most broken looking of all of them is the one that God says he's going to change the world through. It's not through a powerful nation or armies. I'm going to change the world through this thing I call the church. So as we celebrate that this morning, is anyone who's just kind of having a hard day today? Um, I just want to pray with you guys. Father, I just pray right now. For anyone who's struggling in their mind, uh, any kind of a, dealing with worry, anxiety, stress this morning, anyone who's struggling emotionally, they cannot shake the weight. They've been numb for a very long time. They just don't feel anything. And for anyone who's struggling physically in their bodies, anyone who's dealing with sickness, any kind of a nagging thing that's just been constantly draining their energy because their body is just hurting in pain. Father, we ask this morning that you would show up. We thank you, Lord. We ask for healing this morning. So as we close, I just want to encourage you. The prayer team is going to stay here. And if you come on up, if you're struggling with anything in your mind, in your emotions, in your body, they're going to lay hands on you. You're going to tell them what you're dealing with. They're going to lay their hand on you, and we're going to believe that through another human being, someone who has their own issues, their own problems, that God is going to show up in the middle of both of you and going to heal you. So I also encourage you as we close, if you're dealing with anything in your mind, anything in your emotions, anything in your body, as I close, I want you to come on up to the prayer team and they're going to lay hands on you. Father, we invite you into every place of brokenness this morning. Everything where we can sense and feel that we're struggling today. Today is the day we celebrate where you sent your spirit to fill every weakness, to comfort every pain, and to heal every sickness. We receive the Spirit of God. Come and do what only you can do in Jesus' name.